Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about season six, episode 14, Looking for Mr. Good Enough. That's how I feel about this episode. Like, I'm looking for Mr. Good Enough, and I'm not finding it. Yeah, let's just get right into the description because it's something. Mm-hmm. All right, so Will is the only single man in a cooking class full of couples, including Jack and his new boyfriend, guest star Dave Foley. Karen's mother asked Grace to decorate her apartment. So when we sat down to record this episode, I had to remind myself what the Karen and Grace plotline is uh-huh. because it was weird, so weird and so forgettable. Um, but Karen's mom comes back this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if it's the same actor. I assume it must be. I think it was, but I didn't even check, honestly, because she is, despite the fact that she's kind of the inciting incident that makes this plot happen, she's like mm-hmm. barely in two scenes. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. Yeah, Karen's mom is an interesting character for the show because she's kind of portrayed as this like working class con artist. Yeah. Um, the, the, working class con artist to Karen's upper class con artist. And yet they don't really go anywhere with that plot line ever. Yeah. The last time we saw her, she was at least trying to pull a con. This time she's now like reformed. Please. I hope you can hear the air quotes there. She's reformed. And now has bought herself an apartment and she wants Grace to help her redecorate it. Mm-hmm. And it's not even really that she wants grace, that she's like, oh, I need to decorate the place, and oh, I might need to hire a professional. And, and Karen so, just happens to work for grace. grace. And so then, they're on like a shoestring budget. They have like $1,500 to yeah. redecorate this entire apartment. And they do it, and it looks great by 2004 standards, at mm-hmm. least. And then, naturally, Karen's mom, who isn't, it's not really a con, con she's just um, she just decides to sell the place and cut Grace in on the profit. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It seems to me like there must have been a version of this episode where Karen's mother was conning Grace from the start. No. Because the plot doesn't... It's not that it doesn't make sense. It's just that it's completely unpredictable. Like, yeah. the, the whole setup is that Grace is willing to do it, but is trying to get Karen to give her money to do it. Well, because they don't have the budget for things like painters right. or... Whatever. But then Karen never gives in and spends the money, which is what usually happens with a plot like this. Right. And then in the end, Karen's mom doesn't want the apartment anyways, but she only sells it because of a coincidence. Yeah. To be completely honest, this is mostly just um, there to be an inciting incident for Grace and Will to start trying to flip places together. Oh, that's a good point. I had forgotten about that as a... a that's the tag at the it's end. It's literally the tag at the end, and that's why I had forgotten it, because it wasn't even part of the real episode. Yeah. Um. So, yes, in that context, it does kind of make sense that you need this inciting incident episode, mm-hmm. um, which is a common TV trope where you have two characters or one character do something a little out of the comfort zone, and then it becomes a plot point. Yep. Um, to be completely honest, this plot was kind of meh. There were some good jokes, like mm-hmm. uh, the part where Karen is told to start painting, so she paints her nails, and then right. Grace is like, no, paint the walls, and then she takes the nail polish and starts trying to paint the walls, and she's like, <laughs> no, with the paint, and then she takes the nail polish brush and dips it in the paint, and it that's funny, but it's... it's... But in the broader episode, it really feels like filler. Yeah, it, it felt like fluff. Um, 
Also, Deborah Messing's pregnancy is so obvious in this episode. Like, they were not doing a good job of hiding it. She just looks, like, pregnant. Like, Mm -hmm. they try and, like, couch it in this bit where Grace is told by Karen's mom that, oh, you look great. Did you lose weight? And she's like, no, I actually gained some. And she's like, I know it's obvious, but it's rude to say that. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but you gained, like, you know, approximately nine pounds in your uterus. Like, well, that's just, it is that I, it's, it's such a common TV trope to, when you have a pregnant actor, to just say that they got fat. Or to put them in situations where you can't see their stomachs. Uh-huh. And, like, that makes sense because, like, you don't want to completely write them off the show. And you can't have them get pregnant every time that they get pregnant. Right, especially if it doesn't make sense for the character. But I feel like in the in TV history, there are shows that do this successfully and shows that do it unsuccessfully. Like, I feel like yeah. How I Met Your Mother is a great example of a show that always does it really successfully. Mm-hmm. Because... It just writes the characters out or puts them in kind of unusual positions. Has them sitting down at high tables a lot There's or that behind one, bags. Or, or it makes it part of the comedy. Like right. in that episode where Lily is, her actress is pregnant, but she wins a hot dog eating contest. Right. Like that's funny. Like it's like, okay, I can obviously tell that this actor is pregnant. However. They wrote the belly in. Right. Yeah. I feel like Will and Grace isn't really doing that. It's just like Grace gets fat. Deborah Messing Not doesn't really. actually get fat. I also find that as, like, a fat person to be really annoying mm-hmm. to see, like, oh, a thin character gets fat. And it's like, but most of them get, like, thin people fat, which is they get pregnant. Right. And they just gain a bunch of weight in their uterus and nowhere else. And I... I, mean, I guess would it be better if they put Deborah Messing in a fat suit no, for three weeks? No, I just think that they should have come <laughs> up with something better. Or given her, like, a really big purse. Well, and it's just so interesting because, like, they clearly want Deborah Messing on the show every week, which... Believe me, I get that. But on the other hand, like, they had a plotline this season where they sent her to a foreign country. Right. And they were like, eh, I don't really feel like we want to do that. I mean, Deborah Messing is physically pregnant, and we're going to have to write around it in every episode for the next, you know, 20 episodes. But let's bring her back from Cambodia, guys. Yeah, I don't know. I I just, yeah, I think that they could have just given her a big purse or something, mm-hmm. given her a lot of stuff to hold, Well, and I, put I her think behind a desk. Part of this, too, is part of the time period that we're in, in the 2000s, when... There's no chance of Will and Grace getting a reduced episode order to accommodate right. Debbie Messi's pregnancy. I mean, this is one of the most popular shows on TV right now. Right. And they don't have anything else to fill. You know what I mean? Like They don't have anyone to play Grace for a while. Right. It's not like on New Girl where you could briefly have Jess go off to jury duty while um, Zoe Deschanel is pregnant. Well, and when you're only running 13 to 18 episodes a season, you can stop filming right. at a certain point and just, you know, you can front load all your filming and get all the episodes in right. and be done with it. Um, I mean, Will and Grace is running pretty continuously at this point, so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Deborah Messing's extremely pregnant, and it's kind of funny that they don't address it, but eh, yeah. the, the whole plot was kind of forgettable. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the other plot. Yeah, that plot was less forgettable and not always in good or bad ways. More weird. It was a very weird plot. So, um, from the description, you kind of got the cliff notes, but if you're like, I don't really remember this one. Um, so Will has decided that he's going to do something exciting with his life and he's going to take a cooking class. And then Jack decides that he is going to take the cooking class with him. Mm-hmm. And naturally he brings Stuart, his new boyfriend. So I actually kind of, I love the setup of this because it played, it kind of played both sides of the fence of Will being in a couple and Will being single. Because he originally thinks he's just going with Larry. Yes. and then their other couple friend. And then Larry shows up with his husband, Joe. Right. Which is just funny. Like it's. 
it's funny because Will is left on the outside, but it's also funny because Larry and Joe is, like, one of my favorite dynamics on the show. And I just love that, like, from Will's perspective, they're just such a dysfunctional mess that obviously he can just invite Larry to this couple's event and it'll be fine. Yeah. But from Larry's perspective, he's like, oh, no, we may pass a seven-year itch now and we're just, like, we're in it. Yep. So, yeah, basically, Will, who'd planned this thing that might have been, like, oh, a threesome of cooking, turns mm-hmm. out to be the lone wolf in his special embroidered apron <laughs> by himself in this cooking class, which is full of two straight couple no, sorry, two gay couples and one straight couple. And the straight couple are having this continuous argument over whether or not the, the man in the couple's brother is gay. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny. Um, and then the, t- the teacher of the class is uh, Tracy Almond. Yes. And we, she's not Amy Sedaris, as we no, thought No, I at thought first. she was Amy Sedaris the whole time. Something about the way she did her hair in this episode and the fact that Amy Sedaris basically has a show that's kind of like a goofy cooking show now. Right. Like, like it kind of seems like Amy Sedaris, like, saw this episode live when it came out. And, was and like, when I could do that. Someday, I would have an entire TV show and it's just going to be like this every goddamn week. <laughs> and now she finally has it. I don't remember what it's called. It's on Netflix. They're always showing me ads for it. Yep. I don't remember. I don't really even, like... Like, I understand that Amy Sedaris is famous and successful from a number of things, but I don't know what any of them are, and I approve of that. Like, somehow, I like her more because I have no idea where she came from. <laughs> Tracy Ullman, too. Again, Tracy- I know she had her own show for a while. And that's where The Simpsons came from. Yes. But it kind of, like, seems like Tracy Ullman's just kind of always been there. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, like, I guess she must have an origin story. I yeah. don't particularly know what it is. I'm just glad she's here. Yeah. Um, but so she's here, and she's playing the teacher of the class, mm-hmm. and she has a prosthetic finger that is inexplicably very important to her to tell everyone is prosthetic. I feel like I feel like I needed an oral history of her prosthetic finger. <laughs> like I need to know, like, was it Tracy Ullman's idea? Was it like a writer's idea? And like they were finally like, oh my god, we finally have someone who's willing to have a prosthetic finger. Like it's like been their pet joke for years that like they've been keeping in like a, a jar, right? Does Sean Hayes know someone with a prosthetic finger and, like, came to work one day and was like, oh, my God, you guys, I have this amazing story to tell you? I have no idea, but it's it's funny because she walks in with a perfectly not prosthetic looking finger. Yeah, it's finger not even like... And then says to Will, please don't be distracted by my prosthetic finger. And he's like, what? She's like, see? And then bites it. <laughs> like, and it's just like, what? You can bite your regular finger. Like, I don't understand. And I think my favorite thing about this, like, setup is that, like, Clearly, Tracy Ullman does not have a prosthetic finger. No. Like, she hasn't even, And they like, didn't even give her, like, a fake prosthetic they finger. They didn't do anything with, like, makeup to make it look They didn't give fake. her, like, did you guys ever... She's bending it. Did you guys ever get one of those, like, little rubber witch's fingers, at, like, on <laughs> Halloween? They didn't give her one of those. No. It's clearly just her regular non-prosthetic finger that she is pretending is a prosthesis for some reason. But, like, it... It's probably the part of the episode that works best, alarmingly. At one point, she puts it on a hot griddle, and then it smokes, and everyone is like, this is fine. Yeah, I think that my favorite things in the episode are Tracy Allman's prosthetic finger. Uh It's the setup of the couples in the cooking class with Will. Like, eventually, another person comes in to join Will at the cooking class, which we'll get to. Yeah. But, like, I actually think the episode is stronger when Will is alone because, just being a disaster. Because uh, he's a disaster. And then Tracy Ullman is like, every time she gives a direction, she's like, and then, Will, you're going to half that? Right. Like, she's just making it worse. Like, like he's just trying just to, like... He could probably do the math in his head and just know to, like, only add half the ingredients. Or take home leftovers, right, whatever. Like, like, there's no reason that in this cooking class he should be having the ingredients at all. Like, it's just driving home the fact that, oh, Will, you're alone. 
Yeah, and so she just kind of keeps harping on it, and then it just kind of invites everyone else to have these out loud conversations <laughs> that he can hear about how sad and pathetic Will is these days, and it's like really sad. And or whether or not that guy's brother is gay. Yes, and we're also talking about whether or not that guy's brother is gay, and the wife is convinced that he is. Like he- I've never been to a cooking class, but it kind of seems like this is what it's like. It's yeah. a bunch of people you don't really know, and some people you sort of do, all talking Probably about you. Uh-huh. And then there's some guy that you've never met before who's like, he's not gay. He's a workaholic. Right. Which is, what? How, how are those things at all similar? How could you confuse <laughs> that? Well, he has a roommate. I told you he's a workaholic. If he's a workaholic, why doesn't he have enough money to not need a roommate? Questions. I have so many questions. Because he's gay. Because he's gay. That's why. So anyways, then, you know, Will's feeling a bit down and sad and his hand embroidered apron and then in swoops this very adorable very tall man let's say moderately adorable very tall i thought he was cute he was cute and kind of like the way people were cute before they remembered that they could dress nicely he was cute (laughs) dressed as if it was 2004 yes which it was Yes. So he arrives and he's like, is it too late to join the class? And then Will's like, no, please, I need a partner right now, right now, right now. <laughs> and so then he is immediately enamored with Will. He's mm-hmm. like telling Will that he's like so great and they're cooking together and chopping and stuff. And, and he's feeding Will at one point. He looks at him and he's like, would it be too intimate if I fed you? And then Will's like, would it be too intimate if I cried while you did it? Which, yes, Will, yes, it, it would. would. Yes, it please would, Please don't Will. cry while someone feeds you. And so everyone It's really sad. Everyone in the class is sort of sighing a sigh of relief because Will is no longer the sad lonely man who's right. concerning them and scaring the village people or whatever. Um and so then we hear Jack say these words. I was starting to get worried for him. I was thinking I might have to hire him a prostitute. Well, I think, doesn't Dave Foley relay that information? Yes. It's kind of like a backhanded way, too. Like, we never hear Jack say it. No, we do. We hear Jack tell Dave Foley this earlier. And then Dave Foley, as they're all, like, going around the room sampling each other's ratatouille, is like, oh, God, thank God this guy showed up because, you know... Jack was thinking he might have to hire you like a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And I just want to take a, a brief moment to say I'm using the word prostitute because that was the term in the show. Mm-hmm. I prefer sex worker and mm-hmm. in the rest of the conversation we'll use the word sex worker. Well, and it seems also clear that the the sex worker that was hired was probably more on the escort level of the scale. Like they were getting, Will was getting a boyfriend experience. Yes, he was definitely getting a boyfriend experience. And so... It seems like the... Escort might have been genuinely interested in going home with Will. Maybe not. Who knows? Regardless, it was probably a full service package. Right. Um. So anyways, then Will is like, no, no, that can't be. And then turns immediately to discover Jack is counting out money <laughs> to pay to this man. And um, he freaks out. Yes. And then kind of spirals very loudly and in this horrible slut shamey way. Where he's like, which is almost out of character, like not quite. Like, Will is problematic as a character in this way, but yeah, I mean, I could understand being a bit affronted to discover the person you thought you were on a genuine date with might be someone who is paid to be there for your mm-hmm. company and pleasure, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he like starts screaming about how like this poor sex worker has like venereal diseases <laughs> and like freaks out, tells him to go get tested or whatever, and. It's just rude. Yeah, it's really aggressive. That's extremely aggressive. Like, it was not, obviously, I forget what his name was. I feel like his name was Chris, but I don't, I think I'm making that up. Mark? Allen? I don't know. Point being. His name wasn't really important. Will's date clearly 
did not get paid to be humiliated and he is upset and he leaves. Right. Um, which is completely fair. I would also leave. Mm-hmm. And so then Jack's like, Will, I didn't hire him. I say that all the time that I'm going to hire I'm going to hire someone for you, but I don't do it. He's selling like wrist, like bracelets for. For childhood cancer or something. Yeah. Or kids who don't have feet or. So, there's I don't some remember. sort of charity related bracelet situation. Mm-hmm. And so he bought one for himself and for Stuart. Right. And so that's what he was paying him for. And then Will is horribly embarrassed and runs after him to apologize. And we all know that's not going to go well. Right. And then the kicker is that turns out, yes, he actually is a sex worker and he was hired by Tracy Ullman because apparently <laughs> things in this class were getting so bleak with Will being there by himself that she was like, nope. And then also this same sex worker was who helped her get through her divorce. Right. So, so that's the the frustrating thing about this plotline is that it's actually exceedingly well crafted. Yes. From a technical level, like the way Will discovers it, the way it's set up earlier in the episode, the way there's like a potential Will thinks one thing and then thinks the other thing and then thinks the other thing again, and then we find out Will was right the second time. Uh-huh. Like that's well crafted. It's really just the bit in the middle where Will freaks out that is yeah. so disconcerting. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to offer a fix it for 2018. Right. Or, sorry, it's 2019 now. But here's my fix it. So instead of Will being horrible to this poor sex worker who had done nothing mm-hmm. to wrong him in any way and had clearly just been hired, he could have just been embarrassed. Right. And been like, guys, I don't need you to hire someone to date. Or I- he could have even just been mad at Jack. Yeah. Just like, why would you do that? That's so embarrassing for me. I don't need this. Now I feel worse. I felt okay about being alone, and now right. you made it worse. They could have made it about Jack and Will's relationship. They mm-hmm. could have. It could have been equally funny. It could have been, you know, like he could. He could have been. He could have communicated his displeasure at this decision without being rude to the sex worker. Yes, because ultimately the sex worker did not do anything deceitful to Will. No, he just was there and was being nice to him and fed him food. Right. Well, you could even have, like, it's weird because the way the episode's written, the sex worker character has no agency. Yeah. Like, he never discovers any of the stuff that's going on uh, that we see. Yeah. He just knows that someone called him and said to come to a cooking class Uh and maybe fuck Will. Yeah. And he didn't expect any of the stuff that he ended up with. No. He, if nothing else, expected to be able to take home some ratatouille. Yeah. He didn't get that. No. He didn't, poor guy. confusing. Yeah. So yeah, I just mostly the the middle bit doesn't work because mm-hmm. it's not entirely out of character for Will to become like this slut shamey monster, but at the same but it's time, it's not great. It's not great. No, it doesn't it's, work. It's weird because it doesn't bleed through the other characters. No, None of the other characters have that visceral reaction. I mean, like honestly, like all the other characters are super fine with it. Like Jack and um, Stu are like, oh yeah, that would totally be a valid thing for us to do. We didn't do it, but we would do it for you if you wanted. Right. And like Larry and Joe are both like, oh, I think we hired him. I would totally date him. Yeah. And like, it helps the straight guy realize that his brother is gay. Yeah. Somehow. So like the rest of the characters are like not rude. They're all very positive about the interaction. They're they're, like, oh yeah. like They're pretty sex positive about this. They're not shaming people for doing sex work. Of course, this sex worker that Tracy Ullman knows. And Tracy Ullman is very positive Mm -hmm. about it and explains that she had a good experience with Mm -hmm. this man. So it's, to me, it's like very weird to see this extremely progressive for 2004 opinion on sex Mm -hmm. work coming from all of the other characters. But it's like, you know, like shoehorned in with Will, who's mm-hmm. just like, ah, you are a whore of Babylon! 
well, and not to dig too deep into the show's politics at this point, but I think this is probably, to a certain extent, a product of its time where, like, as you watch these early episodes, you can kind of see how all the characters are, like, at best, these Clinton-centrist Democrats. At best. Yeah. I mean, I think you can make the argument, I mean, obviously Karen is a Republican, although she's certainly more of a Republican in the revival somehow. They doubled down on it. And I think Will is clearly, like, a fiscal... Fiscal conservative, moderate... Who's voted for a Republican in his life. Right. But in the revival, you see these characters make such a... a, I don't want to say alarming. Alarming is not the right word. But sudden shift in political spectrum that I could never see revival will saying this. No. At all. Regardless of everything else going on in the world. It's like in the interim, they like got really into like... I don't, I don't even, like, they just started reading feminist literature or yeah. something. Like, I mean, and lots of people have that level of a political shift over yeah. time. And a lot of people have had that political shift. A lot of people have had that political shift in the last 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. I really think that the Clinton-Trump election cycle really did shift mm-hmm. a lot of people into more polarizing political beliefs. And it would kind of make sense that these characters would do it. I would like to think that it wasn't only... Mm-hmm. The Trump election, but maybe. But I think there's just like a, it's a hallmark of not just the 2000s, but I feel like the 2000s especially are this decade where like people are able to be liberal and yet have these huge blind spots where they don't see how like, I believe this one thing is okay, but I don't believe this other thing that is proportional on the scale is okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you you could be liberal for only like your certain causes you were really far to the left but then, like, anything that wasn't directly under that umbrella, you had the conservative opinion about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or you get accused of becoming a bleeding heart. Right. It's it's very interesting. And I think it's just a, it's, it's a time period situation coming out of the Clinton administration mm-hmm. with a Republican being president, 9-11. Mm-hmm. Like, Which we don't talk about, but 9-11 is clearly, like, a okay. factor here. Right. Yeah. So, and... Yeah, so it makes sense that these conflicting views could be held in Mm -hmm. one character. It just feels very jarring when compared to everyone else who is objectively a lot more progressive about it. Yes. Yeah. So So that's our little, like, stump speech on, like, being positive (laughs) to sex workers. Um, Sex workers are out there doing really hard work that you don't want to be doing. Mm -hmm. So be nice. Also, if you're going to invite them to a cooking class, you have to at least let them take the food before you yell at them and shame them into leaving. Yeah. Like, Will took that ratatouille home and he ate it. And that's not great either. No. Not objectively the worst thing that he did in this episode. But still not great. Still not great. Still like in the top five bad things we'll do this episode. Yeah. All right. So, Matthew, do you want to tell people where they can find us on the internet? Absolutely. The best place to look for us is on our Twitter page at Not A Couple Show. Uh, that's where when we're in season, we live blog Will and Grace. Right now, you can just find us occasionally whipping off pithy Will and Grace sayings. You can also find us on Facebook or on Tumblr. Our podcast is hosted on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you want to send us a longer message, you can always send us an email at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for listening this week. We'll see you next week with another episode of Will and Grace. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not A Couple. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week's episode of Not A Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Meow. Hi, Eliza. Can you please not sleep on my butt tonight? (laughs) This week's episode is sponsored by At Home with Amy Sedaris. Oh, that's what it's called. It's not starring Tracy Ullman. Watch it. 